0: I think we're going to disagree a lot on the podcast today, uh, especially about the introduction. Sure, about the introduction, absolutely. But welcome to,
1: to Ministry Leaders Anonymous.
0: You came prepared to win a battle, but I came prepared to win a war.
1: I think you uh, are reading a script. That's really weird. <laughs> Speaking of reading scripts, let's go. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Ministry Leaders
1: Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry.
0: We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything.
1: And As damaged as we are, we're ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Did you see my 2-0? My I don't yeah. know what I was doing there. I was like, oh...
0: Yeah, check us out on YouTube if you want to see the uh, the video version of it to see Matt mess up on that. We are there. Uh, just search Ablaze, uh, Ablaze Youth or Ablaze Ministries. Which one is our YouTube channel? Yes, I think it's Ablaze Ministries, and you'll find us.
1: Excellent. So, Chris, you started this off with, uh, like, throwing down the gauntlet. Like, yeah. what am I going to disagree with you about? So we had
0: a conversation the other day, and I said that I did not like the phrase, God has no
1: grandchildren. Yes. But did you tell them? Can you tell the people why you don't like that phrase? Yes. Go. Okay, I don't
0: like that phrase because I believe that it withdraws or takes away, diminishes even the uh, the role of parents in regards to bringing their kids to the faith. And I like gave we, you a
1: hard time because that's not what that statement means.
0: But that is an <laughs> implication that that statement has. A lasting. So so tell me how you interpret that statement. God has no grandchildren. So the way that, that
1: that that statement was meant to be made, and you can go back and read Sherry Waddell's book, is that God has children. That God has direct relationships with his children. He does not have grandchildren. He does not have relationships with people through other people. That's what that, that's what that statement means. False. Prove it. You said God does not have relationships
0: uh with people through other people. And that's diminishes the entire work of evangelization. If I, if we do not believe that God can have relationship with others because of our working through us, God can work through us. Okay, see, this so is that's, where, where that's, I'm saying. That's
1: different. Like, I, I, God can have a relationship with other people because I bring them to God. Yes, but he's a direct relationship with them. His relationship w- with them is not through us. I'm sorry. Like, that's not how this works.
0: But it is through us because that's how this works. <laughs> Like that is how evangelization—the work not of evangelization—it's
1: not through us. God uses us to to create a relationship with that person directly. He so He
0: doesn't use us; He partners with us. The, the documents oh my gosh,
1: say semantics.
0: They, they say co-workers in the vineyard. So if I can claim my own child as my, one of my tasks as a parent, right? Standing there as a parent is to get that child to heaven
1: right yeah your your job is to get that child to have a direct relationship with god thus god has no grandchildren your child is not god's grandchild
0: but if people interpret it as
1: the only reason the only way that people
0: are going to get to heaven is a direct relationship with god absent other avenues
1: i think that that's a dangerous mentality i just think you're you're misunderstanding it or or like getting fine-tuned into something that doesn't make sense you know like our job as ministry leaders our job as Disciples, Disciple makers is to help other people have a direct personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I agree. That is God's child. Yes. He has no grandchildren. Like if, if I have a relationship with God and my relationship with God disappears and anyone else's relationship with God disappears, that's a broken relationship. That means I was doing it wrong. Because I was making it a Chris-centered ministry rather than a Christ-centered ministry.
0: (laughs) You did it, my favorite phrase. I know. Okay, you won this round. You won this round by throwing that in there. Um, But but I I guess the point is, is I believe that the most assured way to get someone to be a child of God is through the domestic church, through the family.
1: Sure. And, and, and the family dimension does get like, you're like, wait a second, you know, if God has no grandchildren, well, what does that mean about my kids and my kids' kids? Now, that's a, that's a totally different, you know, um, conversation is the, the effect that the family has on the faith life of the child. There is no refuting that, Like there's no refuting how much, how impactful the family's faith life is, the parent's faith life is on the kid's faith life. But that's, you know, not even connected to the fact that your job as a parent is to get that kid to have a direct relationship with God, not at least, that it goes through you.
0: Can we at least consider the goal of salvation to be a co-parenting reality between the parents and God? I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, the phrase co-parenting <laughs> has so many <laughs> weird things attached to it. But what I'm saying is like the way that it's structured We literally assign godparents to it, right? And so to say that this is God's child, but this is also your child as a godchild, like there is an investment that goes deeper than just... um, There's a familial relationship investment that's created through that.
1: Agreed. And so there's co-parenting. So, guys, you you want to know what started all this? It was uh, beautiful butterflies... Chris was learning about beautiful butterflies and something pretty amazing about butterflies, a particular butterflies. Um, and yeah, and then Chris and I got in an argument about God having grandchildren.
0: So there are butterflies, and, and in particular the monarch butterflies, um, when they journey north it takes them four generations to get there. So there's butterflies that leave to go to Canada. There's butterflies that come back from Canada uh, to, to the United States. And when they do that, it takes four generations of butterflies to get from where they start to their destination. And in regards to our uh, our work as ministry leaders and, and the way that we uh, sometimes outsource pieces from the family instead of invest into the family— and I look at this because a lot of times people drop their children off at religious education programs or faith formation programs, and then they, they come back an hour and a half later and pick them up. And that is the extent of the partnering that we have in regards to investing in families in some areas. And I think that's problematic because we need to put them in this context of the story of salvation history isn't just involved with God having no grandchildren, but that they need to leave a legacy of faith for the generations beyond them so that their last name is present in heaven for generations to come. That's what I was getting at.
1: So you've got butterflies that start to leave Canada, head into Mexico, that die in Kansas, right? They have babies. Those babies then fly to Oklahoma or something. I don't know my geography, guys. Um, And then (laughs) those die. They literally take a...
0: Go, go on the east west line after going north south for so long they're like this is a nice area there's not a lot here so let's explore yeah yeah
1: and then the next generation goes to texas and then they die and have more more monarch babies and then and then they head on to the next generation goes to mexico and so it's kind of amazing that 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 creature um like they don't even like they're just going in a certain direction but they've i, I don't know if it's I don't know anything about butterflies, Chris. How much did you learn from butterflies? Do they have this innate sense to go there? Or does grandma <laughs> butterfly teach them where they're going?
0: <laughs> that, you know, that's an interesting thing. I think it is almost instinctual, right? So, like, built into the existence of their identity as a butterfly. How cool would that be to where if all of a sudden a kid just wakes up, they're, they're like, I am, I am instinctually instinct dri- instinctually, instinctu- oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't say it. <laughs> no. Say it for me. Say it. Instinctually driven. To, thank you. To, towards Towards Christ. Like that is my existence. Why? Because the generations before me have set up a pathway to where it doesn't make any sense for my existence to have meaning outside of the context of I am a child, not grandchild, a child of God. And I work and I operate within that reality. To be it's driven towards a destination beyond their, themselves.
1: It's interesting though, because like that, I feel like what what you just said, you know, and what we were talking about with regards to God having no grandchildren are direct in direct opposition. Like there is no there is no instinct that will get kids to heaven. Like there there's it's just not there. Now well, it's it's going to be learned from your environment, you know, but it's it, and it can't be something that you don't just do right it has to be something you take ownership of and 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 you make a decision right it can't it's not just inherited you don't inherit heaven we are disagreeing all over the place because our
0: very creation is orientated towards heaven we are incomplete until we return home to heaven and so our makeup as human beings to hunger, there's a God-shaped hole in our heart. You've heard these type of things.
1: Yeah, I hate that term.
0: Uh, well, still, but it's part of the human condition. Part of the human condition you
1: know, is to seek out fulfillment. I gotta, I gotta stop, pause. There was a term that I heard. Oh, I wish I remembered where I got it from and where I heard it from. But this idea um, was so much better. So that whole God-shaped hole in your heart thing is like, I, I can't stand it. Feels like you know, a country song. But what I heard was your heart is so big That nothing in this world will fill it. Totally different. Like you have the capacity to love and whatever in in a way that nothing, like no physical thing in this world, nothing in this world will fill that. Um, So it's a different. It's the same kind of thing, but it's different.
0: The the just on that note, when I was a child growing up, we had two dogs, Shadow and Misty. Misty died because she got a condition to where her heart got enlarged. And it kept growing and growing until it, it reached the size of the body cavity. And then it, she died because her heart wouldn't function because it got it got too big to be able to function in, in the context of her tiny body. My dog died. My dog died of a big heart. And now you're bringing this up on the podcast and it's making me think of Sweet
1: Misty, this a Cocker Spaniel is, mix. This podcast is a freaking mess. So anyway, <laughs> on to the butterfly instinctual thing. Yes, I, I get it. Like we are created, you know, for God, right? By God, for God, you know, and that's what we're oriented toward, um, what, what God has created us for, whether or not we, we, what, Chris?
0: Can we just dedicate the rest of the show to those who have lost dogs? <laughs> for misty <laughs> all right for misty <laughs> now, moving on okay, get, get i'm so sorry you were on a roll i, I was trying can't. i can't help myself um,
1: but that's so like much. that is different you know the fact that we are are searching and and, and we're searching for him is different than destined for heaven No, no that's not the right way to say it either because we're destined for heaven um, but it doesn't mean that we just like if we do nothing we go there
0: in in our most natural state which is prior to the stain of original sin that would be the monarch butterflies mhm do you see what i'm saying in like a way. prior yeah, sure. prior th- that we would be on this track towards our towards our destination of child of god uh, salvation heaven we would that, and, and, that we, and we would
1: and we would follow the right path because uh, with without con- con- concupiscence? concupiscence, concupiscence. Yes,
0: I got to help you today too.
1: <laughs> um, then like we would we would follow the right path. Correct. Okay. But that's not where you wanted to go with this whole monarch thing. Like you wanted to do like some sort of generational pass down the faith to my kids, you know in 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 two or three generations, if we'd actually did that, we wouldn't have a pagan society.
0: Right, yeah. So if everyone lived the way that they were called to be lived, it would be so contagious that all of a sudden we would we would find ourselves that everyone would be Christian in, in a matter of a couple of generations. Yeah. But I want us to be able to see that our role as as ministry leaders is to empower parents with a vision that, like— Maybe maybe I've been through uh, you know a couple of divorces or I struggle with some, some sort of sin that people might call generational sin or, or different things like that. And it's like, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to beat the dominating role of alcohol that exists in my family tree, but I'm going to move it a step forward so that the next generation can, can, can see God that much more clear, can seek God that much more clear, and, and move it a step forward and a step forward to eventually get... Better the generation behind you by the generation that you're living and raising today in the faith.
1: Yeah, and I would, you know, argue and you know, is that if the if the parent is a child of God, not a grandchild, you know, like if a parent has a real relationship with Jesus, their ability to, you know, co-work with God to help their child have a real relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's actually there. Like there's like, it's, it's, imp- I almost say it's impossible. It's very unlikely that a parent without a relationship with Jesus would be super effective in helping their kid have a relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? Like oh, if, you're I, not I a disciple, if you're not even a Christian, like you can't make other Christians.
0: I I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, but I believe that there are um, systemic realities of sin that exist. Does that make sense? I think so. And so, if it, you look what does this at the have old to do with butterflies, because you can break <laughs> it. So, so in the Old Testament, the the blind man, right, and, and, and even in in the Gospels and things like that, he was shamed because there is a reason he's blind, and it's probably because of the sins of his parents, right? And so that's a generational example of sin. I believe that there can be generational examples of grace as well, to where the grace that we live as parents as those who are seeking can all of a sudden be bear fruit in the generation beyond us and that, that that grace can grow or be stewarded in a way to where three or four generations from now that that we've got we've got saints and vocations that might not have even been reasonably possible in uh, in, in, in a generation two or three generations prior and to get wrapped up in that reality to say, I, I am going to take a, an intentional step forward because I think a lot of times what we do in ministry is we set a standard and people who fall below that standard uh, are left feeling forsaken or lost. And they're just like, oh, well, but guess what? <laughs> like your dad struggled with this or your mom struggled with this and you struggle with these things, but you handle it better than the person, the generation before you. And that means that the next generation might just be in a place To where they have the tools to be able to seek God with clarity, as opposed to in in the midst of the chaos that exists in the family situation that 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 they may have inherited.
1: Well, and like we do this on a physical, like I guess secular level, is like I want to provide better for my kids than my parents provided for me, or you know I want to provide this opportunity. So, and you do like baby steps, if you will. It's not like I I want to be a millionaire so my kids don't have to worry about anything, you know. When I grew up in poverty, like that's a huge transition. You might just say, okay. I wasn't able to finish high school. I want my kids to be able to finish high school. That's our goal. Um, And then your kids may say, okay, you know, I finished high school. I did not finish college. I want my kids to go through college. And then the next step is beyond that, you know. And so the same sort of thing can go with regards to family, you know, setting goals for their spiritual life. Like my parents, we never prayed during meals. Like I'm not saying that about me, but. Um, actually we didn't, but (laughs) so now you are, so now I am, but you know, we're at least going to start doing that, you know, as a family, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that and then take a step further and, and then maybe encourage my kids to stay, take a step further or it, by doing that encourages your kids to take a step further. Um, and it may be something that you do. I mean, obviously one family, a family can't go from never praying to monk level praying, you know, in a week. Like that would, that's not like a system. That's not something you would set a family up for. Right. Um, but I would also wouldn't say like take generations to do it. Like, <laughs> you know, so.
0: Right. Yes. But um, that whole idea of prayer is something that we started doing when I was an adolescent. That might be generation one or generation two. You know, prayer is something we never did. Prayer is something that I started doing, you know, it, it, when I was an adolescent to the next one is prayer has always been a part of who I am as a child and a member of this family. I think that that's a generational example of yeah. that reality to, 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 but just to get the mentality that like, if the butterflies are willing to, to, to make the journey to where they don't get to see the fruits, like I will not get to see my kids in heaven when I get to heaven. I, if I die first, you know what I mean? And if I don't get to heaven, God forbid! Literally, God forbid that I don't get to heaven. You know what I mean? Um, that uh, that I can still have the hope that they can can make it to heaven. That I have set them on a pathway, a trajectory towards that reality. And and if we get that type of a, a stewardship or, or mentality to where the journey is bigger than us, because because that's that's the challenge that I see is, um, y- you know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say this: like there are people who don't like wearing masks at mass. Mm-hmm. and they go into the liturgy, um, and, and if you're one of those people, I, I'm not, not meaning to offend, this is just an observation from my my point of view, but if, if you go into the liturgy and you're like, I'm not going to wear a mask because I don't believe blah, blah, blah this, or blah, blah, blah that, and there's evidence on both sides of the conversation, um, then the liturgy is just all about you and your relationship with Jesus, right? Uh, but what about the person next to you who might feel uncomfortable because you're not wearing a mask? Would you be willing to wear a mask if it made someone next to you more comfortable during the liturgy so that they could focus on receiving and encountering Christ? Now, all of a sudden, the faith journey, the experience of mass changes to being just about me and my spiritual needs to about the hospitality and the comfort of the whole community journeying towards Christ. And I think that that's that's a mentality that we need to instill because I see it. I see it when parents are like, well, my kid's not going to Catholic, Catholic Church right now, but they are going to some Protestant church, and so that's better than nothing. Like, but if you truly believe that the Catholic Church is the surest way to heaven, then why aren't you fighting tooth and nail to get them on that path? To to take them just one step further, even if it means you lay down your life to make that a reality so that they can cocoon and then break free and continue down that path for the next generation, just like those beautiful butterflies.
1: (laughs) What you do with these analogies cracks me up.
0: (laughs) Buckle up, Matt. Buckle up. The other piece, if I may, if you'll indulge me, is I'm not just talking about generations and families. How can Generation X – Impact Generation Y to make Generation Z the holiest generation. There's posters that went around at the last pro-life march. My generation will end abortion. And there's these 9, 10, 12, 13-year-old kids that are holding these signs. Generation Z, you know, Gen Z are holding these signs, being confident And I love that poster because it says the generation that printed the posters, (laughs) right? (laughs) Generation X, hands them to their kids and says, you guys are going to do this. We believe in you because we've taken the movement this far and you guys are going to take it home. And that's a beautiful thing, right? And to believe that the generation after us is going to make society better than what it is right now. And I don't get that sense of confidence. I think sometimes we just compromise Well, at least it's not bad as this. So let's just kind of peel it back a little bit and just peel it back a little bit. And you see that in our country in in, in postmodernism and all these different things. And I want to shift that mentality to say we can impact future generations in a way that gets them there, even if we don't get to see the fruits of that work. I like it. All right. Well, there we go. Told you I'd win. (laughs)
1: I mean, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I mean, you obviously you set, you set the goal and you set, you know, where you want to be, where you want to go. um, And you aim for it. And, and I think, you know, sometimes like what you you just said is we tend to um, aim shorter than we should. So uh, a group of butterflies, they're officially
0: called a kaleidoscope. Although sometimes they're referred to as a swarm. Isn't that crazy? A group of butterflies. Now, I don't know how we do that in the kaleidoscope or swarm mentality. How do we get an entire generation to move with us? But Mama Butterfly isn't concerned with that. She just lays out the larva, and she's in charge of those. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that I'm asking the ministry leaders to be concerned with an entire generation. I think that they're going to be concerned with the five or six uh, youth. That they have close relationship with, with the people that are going through their RCAA class right now, with those that they're in relationship with their neighbors, their own children. That's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to to, to shift the whole swarm. I'm asking that we we stay focused with with our few and lead those few with a mentality that they're going to have a domino effect that goes down until uh, the end of time. As a role in salvation history, you are a, a a thread that goes through it, through your participation with God's grace that can impact future generations. Cool. Because otherwise, yeah, it gets discouraging. I don't know yeah, how yeah. you change change an entire generation. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: One person at a time, that's how.
1: Interesting. The uh, I, I'm thinking about this podcast. At the very beginning, we were <laughs> really heated, and now we're just like, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm like okay, okay. I'm not making fun of you about this analogy anymore. I feel like I have picked on you enough.
0: <laughs> well, I I think it's inspiring. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um. And 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 there's this uh, preacher for um one of the churches, and his name's I think Bill Johnson or something Johnson. I actually have the YouTube video pulled up. It is. It's Bill Johnson. And he he was the one who kind of introduced me to this concept. And uh, and he said it with tears in his eyes about just the beautiful reality of God's creatures have this generational mentality. And yet sometimes we as human beings lose the generational mentality. But if we can move into ministry as ministry leaders thinking, I'm not just going to save a soul, but I'm going to save a family, help participate in the salvation of, right? It's obviously not a christ centered ministry. Matt emphasized that very clearly early on <laughs> in the podcast. But but if if we can see that, that the work that we do isn't just about the person that stands before us, but those that they influence, I think that changes our mentality. And this goes back to the Christian versus disciple thing. If we just put one person in relationship with Christ, right? That's great. That is great. But if we put one person in relationship with Christ and the mission of a disciple— then We're impacting future generations like the butterflies. Oh, which is wonderful. That's the goal. That's if a, 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 a Christian without or a, a disciple without mission is, uh, is, is kind of meaningless, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, it's like a joke without a punchline. So, um, <laughs> okay, there we go. You guys, I would love to hear your thoughts, um, or your analogies that might work better because. Clearly, Matt uh, Matt struggled with this one a little bit. God has no grandchildren, um, but you do have godchildren. And so lean into those realities of the influence of the one before you so that you can make a generational impact in the way that you love. Help them bloom. What's it called when they emerge from the cocoon? Is that blooming?
1: I don't know. <laughs> Moving on.
0: Into Please send any feedback you guys
1: have to at us, and share this podcast with someone.
0: And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go
1: alone. And if you want to go far, we go together.
0: Like a kaleidoscope of butterflies, or sometimes called a swarm. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, and pray for those that you believe will impact the next generation, and think of ways that you can pour into them even
1: now. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. And God bless.
0: Butterfly in the sky. I can see twice as high. When uh, take you a said look. Larva. It's in a
1: book. A reading rainbow. All I could think was
0: larva, larva,
1: larva, larva. Isn't that like from flushed away? I have no idea. <laughs> you gotta understand, I am a, a generation behind you in as regards as- to children's movies. Yeah. I gotcha.